everybody out there in the podcast world, Chad Belding, back at you with another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. We got a lot of cool things going on right now in the uh, banded family of brands, foul life family of brands, This Life Ain't For Everybody, as well as jargon, game calls, our new duck calls, are uh, they've taken off and the response has been quite humbling, so I'm proud to announce that. We got a lot of new merchandise and shirts, apparel, hats, beanies available for jargon, as well as the foul life, and one of the hottest items we have right now is our new 30-ounce tumbler that we teamed up with Ice Syracote, Mr. Steve Holloway, and the McGeehee brothers over at Gator Coolers in Louisiana. And we've come out with a new Foul Life Edition mural tumbler that's uh, kind of taken the waterfowl world by storm, if you say. Uh, it's just popular. People are loving it. It's got a really cool marsh scene on it with mallards setting in with the sunset going on, and it's realistic. It's beautiful and it's yours. So go to thefowllife.com and check that out. And I also wanted to talk a little bit about one of the events that we're taking part in, which is the North American Whitetail Championships brought to you by our good friends, Bone Collector, Michael Waddell and Nick Munt and T-Bone Turner out of Booger Bottom, Georgia. But the North American White, Whitetail Championships is uh, it's owned by a couple of my good buddies, Steve Schmidt and Clay Walker and Wicked Outfitters in Kansas. And it's going to be awesome, guys. $300 to enter, a couple different ways to qualify. It's all archery, 14 different regions across America and Canada, and you have a chance to win $50,000. And one of the cool things is as soon as you sign up for $300, you automatically get a prize package that's worth well over that, worth way more than $300 with a Tacticam and broadheads and, and peep sights and different things for your bow to accessorize it. So check them out, nawtc.com, or you can go to the bonecollector.com website and learn about the North American Whitetail Championships for 2019, 14 regions across America and Canada. $300 is all it takes to join. And again, you get a package valued at way more than that right when you hit the sign up button and enter it. So go in there, win that 50 grand, kill a pig. It's ethical, it's moral, it's safe. It's going to bring whitetail hunting to the forefront as it's been for years, but we got to keep it going, guys. We got to keep finding innovative and creative ways to drive this hunting lifestyle, this passion and love for hunting. And I really think that Steve and, and Clinton, the guys at Wicked Outfitters in Kansas, are onto something. So again, go sign up. It's a no brainer. $300. If you're a badass whitetail hunter, the odds are in your favor to win $50,000 cash prize in 2019. Tell them Chad Belding and the Foul Life crew sent you. And today I got a badass guest as well from the state of California from a new partner of ours, which is Corning Ford. Corning Ford is one of the largest super duty sales and fleet um, Ford dealerships in the country, F-250s, F-350s, diesel, gas motors, but Corning Ford, right, Corning Ford down there in the farming country, the construction company of Northern California, right off the I-5 and I-99 corridor. And I'm telling you guys, if you want service, if you want no frills, if you want to go in, pick the car, pick the truck, pick the, the fleet truck that you want for your business or personal use, they make it an easy, easy deal and a great experience for the everyday consumer or the guy that needs to buy a couple trucks a month for his growing business, whether it's farming or construction. And with me is the sales manager that's been with Corning Ford for over 20 years, 
Mr. Francis Hopping. And I'm telling you guys, as far as a first-class individual, I met this guy a couple days ago. Personally, I've been talking with him on the phone for the last month, and he shares the passion and the lifestyle of duck hunting. He loves to be in the marshes of the Butte Sink and all over the public areas and private areas of Northern California, the Delta, the Rice Country. Francis, welcome. Thank you for being here. And uh, let's talk a little bit about trucks, huh? Thanks, Chad. Appreciate you having me here, and uh, real pleasure. And um, as far as what you have going on in your day-to-day for, for Corning Ford, has it always been the same job for 20 years? Did you come in right in as a sales manager, or was it kind of an elevator where you started at the ground level and just started working your way up? Well, no, I started as a salesman uh, you know, 20 years ago and, and um, worked in a few different positions there at the dealership. And you know, the key there is um, we work for really you know, good people, real people, um, you know, the, the owners are, um, are hunters and just regular, you know, farmers, regular people. And so it's a easy place to spend 20 years at and, you know, hopefully another 20 more. Why, why the success though? Why can a dealership, especially in a small town, I mean, how many people live in Corning? Uh, Corning's got a population, a little over 6,000, 6,000 people. That's not um, big. It's uh, pretty small by, by, by town standards, but, uh, we like it. And, um, you know, we sell to, um, basically the Western United States. So we stock, uh, more trucks than, you know, your average dealership does by, by quite a bit. We typically have somewhere around a thousand vehicles and, um, you know, when people call us or come by, you know, we don't have two trucks to choose from. We've got 20 of that model. Um, and when you're spending as much as a truck costs nowadays, it's, um, it's important. It's important to have those options. So. Yeah, I think it is. And I think, you know, what, one of the things you said to me yesterday when, when we were talking with, you know, we talked a lot about the new rigs, the new Ford trucks. I mean, you said it yourself. It's the best engineered, best designed, best put together truck in the history of the entire world. I'll let you say your own quote, but you say it in the history of the world. Nobody's ever done what Ford is doing right now. And I think that when you hear like the term a monkey can sell something, it seems like it could, but the way you guys have set it up and your customer service and the ease of going in there and the experience that a customer can experience inside the doors of Corning Ford, that's what makes the difference because there's a lot of competition out there to build Ford and it's different than other businesses like the beer business, for example, like a distributor for Anheuser-Busch can't go across certain lines and compete in a different part of a state because that part of the state is, is, is selected for another distributor. A customer in LA has a lot of options to buy a Ford truck in Los Angeles or Boise, Idaho or Seattle, Washington, Portland, Oregon, Reno, Nevada. And you continue to get customers for all, from all over the Western United States and across the country to come to Little Corning, California, 6,000 people in the population and buy Ford trucks. There's got to be something going on there with the experience because I know you guys are selling them at sticker price, retail. There's no, I mean, tell me what, what's going on for the success of this little dealership in Corning, California. Just for the record, we do discount them. So you do discount them. <laughs> um, you know, I always tell people that, uh, they have to drive by a Ford dealership to come to our dealership. So, you know, we appreciate everybody that takes that, you know, that short drive, we call it to Corning Ford. Um, you know, what makes us unique is the people that work there. You know, we have regular, real people. Um, we don't wear ties. We don't, uh, we're just normal people. And um, I, I, you know, have to say our success is 
based on our inventory and, and just a real simple philosophy. I mean, you can come into our dealership and buy a car in five minutes. And, and most dealerships you know, across the country, that just that process is different. And you know, our process is simpler, and we like it. We like it. Our customers like it, and it's, it works for us. Um, you know, we have customers as far away as Sweden. Um, we've delivered cars to Sweden. Um, we've delivered cars to um, uh, Hawaii recently. Um, you know, so so all over. You know, Nashville. Several customers in Nashville. Um, so we don't discriminate. If somebody wants something from us, uh, New York, um, we'll send it to them. And so you're you consider yourself, or you are known as one of the the strongest dealers in the country for the the bigger trucks right the super duties the diesels the f-250s the the full tons so we are we specialize in f-series trucks so you know there's there's other dealerships across the nation that sell more focuses we sell more super duties and and more f-series so um you know chad chad just got a new truck uh uh yesterday and uh, or today i should say and you know it took you know, a better part of an hour to go through all the options on it and explain how things work. And, you know, trucks are complicated. They're not, uh, they're not your grandfather's old truck where, you know, the only option on it was AC. You know, nowadays you've got, um, you know, um, <laughs> go ahead, start I mean, listening to them. We got an hour, <laughs> <laughs> you know, from fifth wheel prep packages to, um, you know, automatic running boards and, uh, 360 degree cameras and lane keeping systems. A lot of new safety features coming out in trucks. But, um, you know, the thing about trucks is they're a tool. And, you know, when you go out and spend as much money as a, a new truck costs, you want to make sure you're getting the right tool for the job. And a lot of places uh, people go and they talk to somebody and, you know, they ask questions about trucks and the people don't know. Uh, they don't have the answers. And when you're spending the kind of money that a new truck costs, whether it's a Ford, Dodge, or Chevy, you know, you need to be able to make sure that what you're getting is what you need. And you don't have to spend extra money on stuff that you don't need to spend extra money on. And so when you come to a place like our place, you know, we have truck experts. I mean, that's what we do. We live, eat, breathe, and, you know, sell Ford trucks. So we know, we know our business. And, and we can tell you that, you know, what what you're using your truck for is is this model or or that model, and you don't have to spend as much money as maybe you thought you did, or maybe you got to spend a little more to get the payload capacity that you need to tow that trailer that you want, or you know, I mean, um, so that's where we have the advantage. When you start talking about numbers of the car, car car and truck sales that go the auto sales that go through a dealership like Corning Ford, it's not it's by no means the biggest in the world of total units per month. Oh no. no. But you're doing a lot of trucks and cars that go through that little town. Remember, there's not a whole bunch of people that live within a five-mile radius of this dealership. So that means that people are coming from a long ways away. And plus, if you're selling to 6,000 people and you sold each of them a car and 6,000 cars for the year, that's a good year. And then they're not going to need another one for five years. So, yeah, you do have to get creative. You have to showcase your talents, your customer service, your beliefs, your passion for the autos, the, the Ford brand that you're specializing in across the country, across the West. United States across the state of California and you're doing that but what is what is the 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 breakdown is it a construction company comes in and buys 50 a month or is it a utility package with a flatbed and a bunch of toolboxes on it or is a lot of your customer base farming farmer based is it is it the soccer mom that's coming in and buying the new you know the new ranger the new suv or is there a breakdown of that 
I'm sure there is. Um, off the top of my head, I would say it's all of those. So it depends on the, the, the year um, as far as um, where those trucks are going uh, in, uh, in a good economy uh, like we have right now. Uh, construction is strong, and we're seeing a lot of fleets uh, upgrading uh, equipment, uh, spending money, uh, take, care, uh, take advantage of the 179 deduction. Uh, where they can write off uh, equipment, and a truck is considered equipment if it has a gross vehicle weight rating over 6,000 pounds, which uh, basically any half-ton uh, or uh, ranger, ranger half-ton or super duty uh, qualifies for. So you, 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 right now we have a lot of construction. Uh, commodity prices are low, uh, or have been for the last year or so. Uh, so farming has been a little less, um, uh, less of the business this last year, but... In prior years, it's been farming's been strong, and we've seen a lot of farming business. So, it's kind of um, cycles, cycles as far as that goes. Um, I mean, SUV sales have uh, been strong for Ford for for quite a while. Expeditions uh, new and been been selling like crazy. They've got that new EcoSport that's been selling well. Uh, new Explorer this year, so we've been selling a lot of uh, Explorers and SUVs. Um, you know, as you probably know, um, Ford's going to get out of the car business, the car car business, uh, and stop selling cars except for the Mustang and I think the Fiesta. Um, so they're getting rid of the Taurus, the Fusion, and um, basically the cars and going straight to SUVs and trucks. That'll probably take place over the next, I think, two years. Uh, and they're going to phase out the rest of the cars except for the Mustang and, like I said, the Fiesta. The Mustang's a specialty car that, that is the American pride muscle car, you know, that and the Corvette is probably known for that. But what you guys are doing, what you just said is why, I mean, why would you, why would you ostracize part of your customer base? Is it not as strong anymore? Is the tourist not performing? So it's like something on a menu at a restaurant. Hey, that's enough of that. We're not going to put any more marketing budget behind it or any more research and development and design and engineering and innovation behind that product. And, and so they're just, hey, most of the women and most of the moms are buying SUVs, or is there a minivan going to be available? Is a minivan considered an SUV? Or where, what's, what's going to happen to that, that customer base that's been buying Ford cars? So that's a good question. Uh, there's still going to be vehicles to buy. They're just going to be different, and they're not going to be necessarily a traditional car. Uh, the traditional car market has been uh, dying. Uh, the, the number's been going down for quite a while, and Ford's seen that, and other manufacturers are watching that and, and reacting as well. Uh, the trend is more fuel-efficient SUVs, and, you know, let's face it. I mean, a car, cars, cars are expensive, so people go out, and they need a car to do multiple things. I mean, you, you don't want to buy one car for one thing and an SUV for another and a truck for another. If you can get a car SUV that's, um, you know, like a crossover is basically what they call it, uh, that does multiple different things, hauls people, hauls stuff, gets you to the campsite, uh, gets you down to the duck blind, gets you to the beach, gets you to Costco and back, um, and gets decent mileage and doesn't cost an arm and a leg. That's what people are buying. So I think Ford's seen the writing on the wall, um, and, and they're shifting their production to fuel-efficient, uh, more capable uh, crossovers and SUVs, which is what people want. When you start talking about uh, iconic brand like Ford and what Henry Ford, you know, that's one of the things you always hear in business and marketing is back 
when Ford came about with the Model T and then the Great Depression hit. And one of the things that Ford did during the Great Depressions is Henry Ford refused to lay down. He wanted to keep that brand out there. He wanted to keep the image evident in the communities, in the society, in American culture, because he was smart enough to maybe forecast, and I might be speaking out of turn there, but he was probably looking at it like, look, the money's going to come back. It's not always going to be like this. A recession was going to come in. It hits. There's not a lot of money in the market, but he continued to spend money to keep that Ford brand evident to where when the money did start coming back and people started getting, you know, the jobs started coming back and the Great Depression was over, then everybody was like, man, that Ford was there. Ford was around. I remember that name and that's where I'm going to spend my money. And it seems like that whole ideology is, is, was evident. What, what year was it just now in, in current event history, current event, you know, current American history where, you know, the big three had to go and ask for money. I want to learn a little bit about that story. What was that? 2008? So 2008, uh, we had the, you know, the Another great, big hit. The, the big recession and, uh, you know, car manufacturers, well, you know, uh, businesses in general were, um, you know, everybody was going under. Um, but what Ford had done um, is they had hired uh, Boeing's uh, CEO, uh, Alan Mulally, uh, several years before that. And Alan Mulally was a super sharp guy, um, came down from Boeing. He had actually helped Ford uh, develop the um, uh, Taurus. He had a small hand in the, in the aerodynamics of the Taurus. And when the Taurus came out back in the 80s, uh, you know, that was a groundbreaking car design, um, very aerodynamic, and, um, you know, it was a great car for Ford. Uh, but he had a little hand in that. So anyway, uh, long story short, uh, Alan Mulally came to Ford, uh, I want to say, and I'm probably off here, it's uh, 05, 06, Came in, decided that um, uh, after looking at the um, you know business model, that we weren't going to make it. You know, Ford wasn't going to make it uh, at the current pace and the the trend in the market, and 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 seeing the future, seeing that you know uh, this recession was coming, Ford wasn't going to survive. Uh, so what he did, he went to the board and and basically to, to New York or Wall Street, and hawked everything that Ford had including the brand. And I want to say they borrowed in the tune of 50 or $54 billion. Uh, they borrowed that money the old-fashioned way, uh, renegotiated with the um, unions, um, came up and cut costs, um, um, made adjustments to their manufacturing and production, uh, spent a ton of money on research and development, and had that in the pipeline 2008 rolled around um the world was coming to an end the stock market's crashing everybody's going out of business gm and and chrysler were were going broke and as you recall they um they had the uh, hearings on capitol hill and they had the big three up there and alan Mulally was there not not to not to borrow money but he wanted to make sure that chrysler and and GM got money so that they would be able to stay afloat and keep the suppliers in business that supplied us. So if uh, GM or Chrysler went out of business, the people you know, that make Dana axles and the ashtrays in the cars and the interiors and wheels and all those, those components that are made by outside manufacturers would have gone out of business. And 
and then we would have gone out of business. So it was, um, he was there for support, and I don't think Ford ever really got enough credit for that. I mean, here these guys kind of went to the end and, you know, pulled their, their hands out and looked for that, uh, that bailout, but Ford went out and borrowed it. You know, they, they went out and hawked everything they had and, you know, tightened their belt and, and sunk that money into research and development. So, so you're saying Ford didn't borrow, didn't have any, or did not take any bailout money. I don't know the, I I wouldn't say that. I don't think that, I I, I don't believe so. I think there might've been, um, it's, and I don't know all the finances of, you know, what, what Ford credit did with the, uh, um, in, in terms of, um, loans and, and, but they did not go to, you know, they did not go to Capitol Hill looking for money from Congress. That was not their intent. And, um, you know, they'd already borrowed it. And, um, uh, you know, I, I think you got to give them some credit for that. And, and as a result of that, you know, they came out of that recession strong, stronger than anybody else did, because while Chrysler and GM were literally running a year or more without a research and development team, because that's one of the things they cut right away, uh, Ford had invested millions and millions and millions of dollars in the research and development, and were we're we're ahead of the game, so they came out strong, and and really we've had good product, uh, good solid product, ever since. Um, our new Super Duty, new trucks. I mean, they really every. And let me just say this: I think everybody makes a decent truck nowadays. Um, you know, Ford, Chrysler, Dodge, Toyota. I mean, I really do. I think everybody builds a decent product, but Ford builds the best engineered, strongest, most well-made and most expensively made trucks on the market. I mean, you know, Ford doesn't cut corners when it comes to manufacturing. I mean, their, their process is not the cheapest out there. Um, they build really, really high-quality stuff. Okay, let's talk about high-quality stuff. What The new 6.7, explain the new diesel motor to me. Um, you hear a lot of guys that are Chevy guys that, man, the Duramax is the bomb. You know, it's an awesome, it is a good diesel motor. It's a It's a... Uh, I've, I've never owned one. I've driven them. I've ridden in them. Um, the Allison transmission, it's a good combination. Um, Dodge or Ram has the Cummings, uh, Mm -hmm. diesel motor, but I don't know if I'm biased. I don't know if I'm hard headed. I don't know if ignorance is the right word, but it just seems to me that the new six, seven, is it a power stroke? Is it considered a power stroke still? It's considered a power stroke. So power stroke is, is, is Ford's brand of diesel. And what Ford did um, that's really changed things is back in, um, um, well, let's say back in 2000, uh, 99, 2000, 2001, 2002, and I think in 2003 was the last year of the 7.3 liter diesel. It was made by International. Uh, it was a power stroke. Um, you know, you may have had one. Uh, I know I had. They were great. They didn't have tons of, of power. They had more power than anything else at the time. But uh, um, they they went through, I think, 2003, and Ford came out with a 6-liter. Six 6-liter six was also made by International, um, had more power, more torque. Um, but um, let's just say that it wasn't the most um, reliable motor out there. Um, a lot of that had to do with the emissions that were um, the mandates on the emissions that were uh, uh, coming to fruition, and, and the fact that that um, uh, the engineering and the emissions uh, didn't seem to uh, um, work well together. And um, 
Then International uh, came out with a 6.4 liter in 08, uh, 08, 09, and 2010. And uh, that was the last motor that um, uh, International made for Ford. Uh, Ford was not happy with the, uh, the quality control uh, that they, they were getting from International. Uh, on their diesels, and so then they developed the 6.7 liter in-house and built it themselves, and that way they can keep track of the the quality control and the production, and really built a, a solid, solid power plant. Uh, so solid, in fact, that um, we got rid of Cummings and Caterpillar in our medium-duty trucks, our 650s, 750s. Um, and went to 6.7 liters in all of those. Really? So you have different versions of those that have different uh, horsepower and torque um, options, but they are um, basically the same same diesel. So uh, again, I, and I, I don't I don't like to knock uh, you know Chevy and, and Dodge. Again, I think they build a, a decent product. I just really think that um, Ford builds the best engineered product on the market for the money. Go through it with me real quick. Starting in 2000 the size of the diesel motor leader wise for Ford, there was a seven, two. So there was a, uh, in, in 99, uh, you had a 7.3 liter actually. Well, in 99, you had the turbo, um, uh, 7.3 liter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you had, uh, 2000, 2001, 2002 and three, uh, halfway to through 2003, the 7.3 liter, uh, was still being produced. So if you have a 2003 Power Stroke 7.3 liter, that's a rare duck because that was the last year they made that model. And people swear by that motor. It's a great motor. Um, the weak part of that motor actually was a transmission. The transmission wasn't the strongest transmission. It was a E4OD. Uh, didn't have tons of, um, just didn't handle the torque as well as you know the new, new, new uh, uh, torque shift transmissions. The six speeds they have in the new trucks now are, are awesome. They're overbuilt. Uh, they handled, you know, 900 plus pounds of torque. Um, but then you had um, a 6.4 liter that came out in, or excuse me, a 6 liter that came out in 2003, halfway through 2003. That ran through uh, 07. Um, and then in 08, 09, and 10, you had the 6.4 liter. From International. Uh, Was again, the 6.0 built by International too? Correct. Correct. So... What was the, what went one, which one of those that you just named? Cause after the, when the six, seven came along, it kind of, in my opinion, and correct me if I'm wrong, Francis, it reemerged as like the, the baddest ass diesel motor that you can get. There was some stuff that went on though in the mid two thousands where one of the diesel motors in Ford got a bad rap, didn't it? Six liters uh, initially were, um, you know, pretty problematic. I'll just leave it at that. Um, but a lot of the, the issues with the six liter were, uh, it ran hot and, um, there were some, there were some things that, you know, down the road when mechanics and engineers understood it better, uh, they developed fixes for them, uh, different, uh, uh, um, injectors, uh, different, um, uh, coolant, uh, uh, coolant filtration systems, um, radiators. There's def- there was definitely some upgrades you could do to your six liter now that maybe weren't available in 03, um, that, um, will keep them on the road. And, you know, a lot of guys look for them because they're, they're, they're tons of power. Um, you just need to 
bulletproof them, um, and 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 typically they uh, they do pretty well. So this new six seven now, give me give in layman's terms, if a guy walks on the the lot, why what is this motor all about, and why is it? I mean, it's awesome. It's, so, it's, it's, I'm trying not to sound like, like give everything that I feel about the motor. I don't want it to be like this personal, you know, testimonial for me about how, you know, I've had, had them for the last five or six years, maybe seven years, 2019. Yeah. I don't know, like six or seven years. So why, why is it the six, seven so awesome? Well, when you hook up your 40 foot trailer to it and step on it, you know, it's that smile that comes on your face when you know that it's just got more power than you need to pull that thing over the hill. Um, they're smooth, they're quiet, um, they have more power, horsepower and torque than you need. Um, and it's not just that, the transmission really comes into play on that. Our transmission's been really awesome for a long time. Um, you know, it, it's... The mechanics of that motor are well beyond my capabilities. Um, you know, I'm not an engineer or a mechanic. Um, I've been around trucks uh, for 25 years, and I understand the basics of them. But uh, uh, that motor is has been solid since it's come out, and every year seems to get a little more more impressive, uh, a little quieter, a little smoother, a little more power. Um, you know, I, I think we're not too far away from seeing you know a thousand horsepower or a thousand foot pound torque. Uh, you know, personal diesel truck coming, um, you know, in, in the coming years. So from the factory, um, they've just got, uh, they're smooth. I mean, you got in your truck today. I mean, the things, you know, drives like a car, but it'll tow 30,000 pounds. I mean, that's, that's, that's impressive. It's um, so impressive. So are they easy to sell? They're expensive. This, this, these trucks we're talking about now are upwards of, I mean, a, a Super Duty so, starts right around 70? No, no, no. Uh, you can buy a really well-equipped uh, crew cab 4x4 diesel um, with power windows and locks and, you know, off-road package and nice equipment uh, in the, you know, upper 40s uh, to, to, to mid-50s. For a used uh, one? No, for, for a new 19. <laughs> can you really? Uh, you can. But, uh, you know, nowadays uh, there's so many options on vehicles. Uh, that you can pick up, uh, you know, depending on the model you pick, uh, you can get a limited and get up. You know, we saw a limited yesterday. It was what eighty, little over eighty-five thousand. Um, you know, and that's the that's the top end of you know of what you can buy. I mean, if you want to load it up with everything on it, that's it. Um, you know, is that your cup of tea? Maybe. Um, can you if, get to hundred grand on one yet? Um, I think you can if you get a four fifty limited with everything on it. I've never ordered one personally. Uh, our customer base uh, typically doesn't um, order stuff like that. Um, How much was a diesel truck when you started selling for Corning? Um, well, I remember when the 99s came out, uh, and we had a dually. It was a new body style, and we had a dually super cab, and it was over 30 grand, and I thought nobody was ever going to buy that thing. <laughs> 30 grand. Add 50 grand to the mix now. And uh, they're a little bit more expensive now, but um, but they last. They last. Um, they're they do. Safe. They're safe. They're safe. They're a lot safer than they were before. Uh, and they've got a lot of nice features. You know, a lot of nice safety features. Um, um, you know, they're impressive. What? What does the Lariat package mean when it's, when a guy sees L A R I A T on the package? Lariat is that a Western thing? Is that something that Ford came up with to where they had some upgrades that they were going to have some 
different accents on it, you know, as far as some different color or wood grain, leather seats, cowboyish, westernish, John Wayne-ish. You got the platinum after that. You had the Eddie Bauer edition for a while. What what does the Lariat package mean? So the Lariat package typically will uh, uh, mean you're getting leather for sure um, and, and more standard features. So you're getting upgraded wheels, uh, a little different trim on the interior, uh, a few more standard features, leather. Um, some more standard features in leather is the main one. Um, you may have a few other color options in a Lariat that you don't get in an XLT. Um, so it just depends, you know, and they've had different models over the year. We have, you know, obviously we have a King Ranch, Platinum, Limited now. Um, we've had 80 Bowers in the past. I think, uh, that, uh, uh, marketing program with Ford or that partnership with Ford, uh, went away, uh, a few years back. Um, uh, who knows? Maybe we can get a banded edition. Um, you know, I, I could see it with a, you know, camo pattern on the bottom, a rocker panel with the, maybe a, a neoprene seat covers. True corporate. Um, I, I mean, you know, I'd say it's possible for sure. Really? I mean, why not? I'd lobby for it. So you just, just so you know. Well, that's because you're a duck hunter. <laughs> I am. I, I, I can see the market for that truck. Do you ever laugh at other duck hunters when you pull up to the boat ramp that are in a Chevy or a Dodge? Like, how do you even pull your boat home? I mean, talk a little smack here, Francis. I mean, I know you got a little bit. I know you got a lot of loyalty and allegiance to the Ford Ram, but you pull up to a boat ramp and you look over and, and you see a guy in a Chevy. Do you automatically have an understanding and a fulfillment in your heart that you're a way better duck hunter than he is? <laughs> Is that that's uh, kind of thoughts that are going I mean, through my mind right now? Like I can just tell you drive a Chevy, com, you don't know how to hunt. Common sense may say that, but uh, no, no, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that uh, myself. Um, you know, I mean, those people, um, they just haven't figured it out yet. Um, you know, there's there's uh, there's there's plenty of trucks out there. So you know, like I said, everybody makes a decent. Product. Are you sworn to secrecy or something when you take an <laughs> oath at Corona? I mean, at Corning Ford. I mean, are, does does Paul not want you? saying that a Ford is way better than a Chevy? Oh, he'd be the first person to say it. Okay, but, so... But we, we do own a Chevy store and a Dodge store, so I can't really... Uh, Who owns that? You, you our, and Paul? Our, 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 uh, the ownership of the Corning Ford owns... Uh, oh, we, God, we don't, then we better be quiet. <laughs> See, I didn't know this. I'm not privy uh, to this information. Uh, yeah, we own a few, few stores, uh, but Ford is our Ford is our baby. That's, uh, we're all, we're all Ford people. So what's the most uh, comfortable out of the three, just to sit in the room, the seats, the, the design, the, mm -hmm. the economics of the, how it fits your body and your ass and your legs and, and, and all that is, I mean, the Ford to me, I don't know how it was 10 years ago. I really didn't pay attention, but now as I start to mature, I mean, I'm in my early forties now, I look at it like, man, these guys are so roomy. They're comfortable. They're fun. They're just nice to drive. I mean, you literally will have it pegged at 80, you know, not pegged, but cruise controlled at 80 going down, you know, interstate 80 through Wyoming or Nebraska and not even know you have a 30 foot trailer full of UTVs and decoys on the back. I'm not saying that's the heaviest load in the world, but I'm talking like, it feels like you're in a Cadillac. Are the other trucks? We, we like we like to say Lincoln, but Lincoln. Uh, <laughs> oh, because you don't see it, it's the car market. Same. But, I get that. Hey, when you put that load on that truck, uh, it, it rides better. Uh, to answer your question, what's the most comfortable truck out there? Man, that's a tough question. Um, I mean, you know, I, I 
you know, like you, I, I just got a new truck this last year and, um, you know, obviously we could go out and buy anyone we want. And, um, you know, the nicest truck I think for the money was, was an F-150 Lariat. Um, you know, for me, I don't tow a, a heavy enough trailer to, to warrant a diesel. Um, you do. And that's, that's why you got a diesel, but I think for the money, that's the nicest truck on the market. Uh, you can get more features and get a little more uh, fancy, fancier models that have, you know, platinum has a little nicer leather in it. Uh, you can, you can get into, uh, more features, but for the money, I don't know how you beat a Lariat. So F-150 EcoBoost, Lariat, leather package, real nice truck. It's going to run you what? Sticker before a discount. Man, that's a tough question. Is it a $60,000 truck now? It can be. It can be more than sixty thousand, or it could be low fifties. Low fifties. Um, Let's say we're in the low fifties model, the F one fifty with the EcoBoost. Okay. So, and I think after after discounts and rebates, I, honestly, I think you, you can buy a, a F one fifty Lariat for uh, under fifty pretty easily. Um, it just depends again on on the model. So there's there's three different series in the in a Lariat, and uh, depending on the options, uh, you know, you can get from low 50s msrp to upper 60s msrp so you know do you need adaptive cruise control and a 360 degree camera and um you know um, massaging seats uh, or do you just want leather and you know the heavy duty trailer tow package so there's, there's a lot of options including diesel uh, we, we didn't really talk about that but uh, f-150 uh came out with a diesel this year uh, this last year, and um, we've been selling a few of them. Uh, we've only got a few of them, so we've been will selling. It ever them with... ca- will that ever catch on? Yeah, I think so. I think for people that want to drive a diesel, why or... do people want to drive a diesel besides maybe it's cheaper to buy a gallon of diesel fuel? You know, in most parts of the country, even though it's the not, demand, not, not in California, not in California. But I remember when diesel was ninety nine cents a gallon here because there wasn't many people driving diesels. Now, there everybody wants. It seems like. Most guys that do what we do are in the diesel model. When you told me, I think you said this, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you, where I was going with that question about the Lariat F-150 EcoBoost package, which is a half-ton truck, my trailer, you know, let's say it's rated at 13,000 pounds. Why wouldn't I just, can you pull it with that F-150 comfortably? So, so my F-150 is, is, a, is a Lariat with a heavy-duty trailer to a package and the uh, 3.5 EcoBoost, and it's got a tow capacity of over 12,000 pounds maximum, 12 or 13,000 pounds. Um, so the answer to your question is yes, you can. But if you tow that kind of a load on a daily basis uh, or cross-country like you do, uh, you don't want to be towing the maximum, you know, is it okay to tow um, 13,000 pounds uh, over to the campsite uh, for the day, you know, a couple times a year if it's rated at that? Absolutely. Um, but if you hooked up that trailer every weekend and you, you know, towed it to Arkansas, um, you know, that's what a diesel's for. You want to give yourself some, some, some range and, and uh, uh, a little extra. So, so why do people get a diesel? Um, I mean, besides... Um, Besides the power, obviously, uh, I mean, and, and the capacity, um, half-ton diesels uh, uh, don't necessarily have the tow capacity that um, uh, three-quarter tons do, but uh, they get a little bit of mileage. So you're getting a little bit of mileage. Um, uh, the warranty's a little longer. Um, 
Um, and, and some people just like diesels. You know, maybe you have a fleet of diesels and you want a diesel, you, you want your halftones to be diesels as well. So um, it's a personal preference. I mean, just one more option. It's, it's pretty, um, as far as the mechanical part of the new diesel motors, it's not an everyday, you know, a guy that's not a certified mechanic. Would you say get underneath the hood of these things and start to and even try to mess with them? I mean, they you open the hood on one of these new diesel six sevens power strokes, it's like it looks like a jet engine. Yeah, no, I wouldn't touch anything. <laughs> <laughs> so what I, is, I, I, you know, we have uh, we have master certified diesel mechanics uh, at our shop, and we have several of them. And uh, that's what they do, and it's 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 impressive. I mean, uh, you look under the hood of a new new car, whether it be gas or diesel. Um, you know, cars are cars are more complicated for sure. Uh, that being said, though, uh, they're more reliable than they've ever have been. So, you know, they have systems that check systems, and you know, you, we hooked your car up to the Wi-Fi so it could update itself. And you know, I mean, uh, you know, all, all these little things that help the car. Um, require less maintenance uh, than they have in the past. So, no, I would not get under the hood. I would not tinker with it. Um, but uh, the good thing is you probably won't have to. Yeah, it's pretty, I guess the the word is intimidating to where you're like, yeah. you don't even <laughs> want to deal with it. But a lot of it's computerized now, too, to where, you know, the codes and everything that are involved in these new motors, whether it's a diesel or a gas motor, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's not, you know, you can't fix it unless you have the right computer program, the software program. I mean, there's shops across America that you need to, that are specializing in, in the new motors to where it's not as easy for a guy that builds out his own motors or, you know, that had a Mustang or a Corvette or a 68 Chevy Stepside or a, a 56 Ford back in the day. It's not the same, you know, for a mechanic to work on these, right? No, the, the, the hot rodder nowadays has a laptop, not a, uh, n- not a rollaway tool chest. Um, you know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, you, you change out modules and, and put new programs in and, you know, change your air fuel mixture and, and, you know, it's, 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 it's pretty impressive what you can get out of a, you know, get out of a motor, um, with some aftermarket upgrades. Um, and we have lots of customers that, um, you know, pump up their, their Mustangs or their diesels and, uh. Uh, it's, it's impressive. Where are most of the Fords built in America now? I mean, you see, or is some in Kentucky? Uh, most, most trucks, uh, come from our Louisville, Kentucky plant. Um, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's quite a few different plants across, um, uh, the U S and, and, um, uh, Michigan. Um, are you saying Michigan's not in the U S? <laughs> no, <laughs> I thought I'm gonna be pissed. No, no, I didn't say that. Did have I you visited that? one of these plants before? So, uh, no, I have not. We were supposed to go to the Romeo engine plant uh, when I was in Dearborn, and uh, our flight got late, uh, delayed, and then we missed out on that. And that's supposedly really, really impressive. Um, um, but it's, um, yeah, I missed out on that. I can't get over. You said that Ford borrowed fifty three to 57 billion like i don't know i know you know somewhere between 50 and 54 are you sure it wasn't million i know it wasn't but billion can you imagine signing off on that like what bank in their right mind or financial institution is gonna you have to have a pretty some pretty good clout to be able to guarantee that note it's uh it was pretty ballsy um malali uh you know i have to hand it to guy i i i I saw him on several occasions at, at at meetings and he basically came out and, and told the, the dealer body that uh, 
he was their only hope. And it was pretty stark, you know. I mean, the guy come out and just say, hey, you know, this is either going to work or it's not going to work. And, um, you know, there's a lot of jobs out there that, you know, hinged on that. And uh, um, I got to hand it to the guy. I mean, he, you know, he had a vision. He, he called it the, the plan. He had a, uh, some uh, little cue cards he handed out at the meeting. They were these little business cards, and they had the plan on it. And I remember getting getting one that had his little, you know, the steps of the plan and, and what their plan to turn around Ford was. And it was very basic and simple. But, um, you know, they ran their business off that for the next few years. And uh, and it worked out. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm proud to have worked for Ford for those last 20 years. And um, I'm so happy to be selling Ford product right now. I mean, they, they really are the best product on the market right now. And, you know, they say that, if you love what you do, you really don't work a day in your life and you look forward to Mondays. And is that where you're at 20 years walking into the same dealership, same piece of property, same doors, you might've upgraded the doors. They don't squeak as much anymore, but you know, you drive into that same entrance every day. It takes a special place to hold somebody's interest to see the excitement and the way you talk about trucks and the way that you are with people. It takes a special place to create that. We call it the culture, right? Like Corning Ford's got to have a hell of a culture to have somebody there 20 years. Uh, it's not about, I know you make a good living, but it can't be all about the money. It's got to be something else that drives you every day to want to get in there and lead that sales team and and work with Paul and the ownership group and the management group to to be one of the top dealers for super duty Ford trucks in the country. Like, Or is it just the money? I mean, what drives you every day and puts the smile on your face? No, I enjoy what we do. Uh, I enjoy the people I work with. I, I am one of several employees that have been there over 20 years. So that says, says a lot in itself. Um, like I said, we work for good people. So there's not too many car dealerships out there that people can say that about. You know, I mean, uh, management groups and, you know, people that you never meet that you work for. I mean, we work for regular people that, that hunt and fish and farm and, you know, have kids and, um, so no, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky in that sense. And I enjoy what I do. I enjoy going to work. I would trade you, um, just, just so you know, if you, if you want to switch, I, I'd, I'd, uh, I, I think I'd, I'd be happy, uh, living the banded lifestyle for a while, but, uh, um, you know, I'm sure everything gets old after a while. Well, I don't, I don't know if it gets <laughs> maybe, old, but maybe not. <laughs> I, I, I think that, you know, I, when I see other people, I, you always hear the word envy and being envious and <clears throat> I love being where you work like when i was there yesterday i was like man this is awesome this is the bad i just love seeing all those trucks and walking and seeing them you get to see that every day but like you say you know can i sit in a duck blind every day in california in the same rice field in the same pit in the same levee every day and even if there's a thousand sprig on top of my head and, and mallards everywhere and teal buzzing the decoys and a north wind, a bluebird sky or a stormy day or whatever you prefer as a duck hunter, I prefer, you know, sunny bluebird days. And um, I don't know if I could just sit in that one duck blind and do it. And I, I, I love the my life as far as the one, the humility and two, the the variation in the different locations and what I would call the duck hunting venues that we get to visit. You know, it's like, you take like a, a singer or like Jason Aldean, you guys work with Jason. He's a, you know, he's a, a good friend of you guys at Corning Ford. 
And just think of the the places he's played, the the smiles he's put on people's faces, the crowd, the uh, you know, and the thing that he faced in Vegas and that whole deal at the at the Route ninety the Route ninety one festival there. I mean, <clears throat> he's he's lived it, he's been there, he's done it, he's got to see a lot of different places, and that's what I love about my job is that. I, I, I see the pride you take in walking into Corning Ford and walking through those doors and seeing all those different faces come in and being able to give them a service and a quality product that you have a lot of faith in and a lot of passion and love for. And I get off on, you know, go, being in Arkansas or being in North Dakota and being with different people, whether it's a veteran or you or an athlete or a singer or my family or whatever it is. I think that there's, there's you know, a way to love everything that each person does. And a lot of people look at what I do and be like, Oh, I trade you in a heartbeat. And I, I, I often try to make excuses on why you wouldn't want to. I'd love to be able to look across the table and go, Oh man, no, you don't, you know, this is a pain in the ass, you know, it's cold and, and, and you get stuck and, and the game warden checks you once in a while. And I can't, I could, I, I could literally look you in the face and go, if you like to duck hunt, hell yeah, you would want to do this. Now, sure. That's not saying that it's not hard work, that there's not a lot of behind the scenes stuff that happens, but also I'm not seeing the behind the scenes shit that happens in your life on a daily basis. I you sit up there and make a badass deal looking at like at the wolf of wall street. And this guy drives away in this new one ton diesel to his ranch. And I'm like, man, that's cool shit. You negotiate it. You put this deal on the table, you got it done. And you look at, I don't know what you did to get to that point in your career. Everybody's got a story. And that's what I think is cool is that if somebody took the time to sit down and be like, well, really, what is the duck hunting business? What is it? Like, do you get to go and shoot ducks anywhere you want? Kind of, but it's a lot more than that. It's like, look what we did yesterday. I'm talking to you about trucks. I'm talking to you about programs i'm talking to you about events and networking and touch points and and cross-pollinating our brands and i try to think a little bit different to where I, the duck hunting is <clears throat> is the icing on the cake i mean look at that right there can it that's my number one duck hunting venue in the world that's called the mitchell hole at prairie wings arkansas you can see us standing down by the trees tom who you know was with us yesterday mm-hmm. he took that picture from behind me and look at those mallards coming out coming through those trees and that like that signifies my life right there. Like that's my happy place. But you know, I would, I would challenge somebody to say, Hey, like really, what does it take to get to your level of being in the car business and what Paul's done and what the ownership group of Corning Forms done? And what does it take to get to a, a point to where you can make a living in the duck hunting business? I get asked the question all the time. It's, Man, I can tell you it's people, you know, I mean, and passion, uh, right? People. I mean, you know, I've dealt with so many so many different people over the years, and uh, I come to work and uh, never know who you're going to run into. I mean, from from you know people like uh, that you mentioned, um, you know, famous people to um, you know the veteran that comes in that um, you know um, got his um, you know got his uh, veteran hat on, and you hear his story. I mean, you, we just meet all kinds of people: nice people, friendly people, great people, mean people. Um, but we meet them all and, um, uh, that, that, that's probably, you know, one of the things that when you get up in the morning, um, you know, my job isn't, isn't nine to five where you're staring at the same computer doing the exact same thing every day. Uh, you get to deal with different people and different scenarios. And recently we've had a lot of fire victims. Um, you know, the paradise fire is not too far away from, uh, uh, where we were at, uh, the, the campfire and then the car fire. Um, then we had the fire in Napa. I mean, those are all around us. And so we've had a lot of people that, uh, 
been dislocated and um, you know fire victims that replaced vehicles and you know some of the stories that came out of there and customers um, uh, friends uh, really really humbling um, so you know there's always uh, it's always always something going on always something a little different uh, it's not as monotonous as uh, some jobs could be or as maybe as exciting as some jobs can be depending on the day but uh, um, I enjoy what, what I do and uh, most of the people at work enjoy what they do and um, you know it's uh, it's not a bad life I, I think when you say it's not a bad life and that you know the name of this podcast this life ain't for everybody it's mm-hmm. almost like I really do would I really would like to accomplish something in the car business. Like I look at it, I don't become envious of it, but I've always been intrigued by it. I just I know guys that are successful in it. I know that many people that have made a good amount of wealth in other areas of their life have looked to the car business and dealerships as another source of challenge, revenue, profit. There's just something about cars that have made, you know, they make the American dream come true. I mean, everybody lives for their first car at 16 and then they want to build up from there. And then I don't even know how famous all of these shows like Richard Rawlings and gas monkey and Jesse James and all these garage rehab and makeovers. And, Oh man, we got to get the brakes done today. If we don't, we're going to miss, you know, it's just like you hear all this. Sure. There's the, the, people love cars. People love trucks. They're people, passionate. They're about passionate it. about it. It's their life. It's their love. Jay Leno's car collection blows my mind. And I know like Jerry Seinfeld's car collection, they people love cars. You come to hot August nights here in August, that was redundant, but hot August nights at the beginning of August every year. Um, it's it's amazing to see these guys, these car collectors, and 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 you talk about some of the auctions like Barrett Jackson, the auctions and the prices that people pay for some of these cars. You're like, what? And it's that's what drives me to it. I'm not by any means a car collector. I'm not an enthusiast. I'm not a guy that that rebuilds engines and turns wrenches or any of that stuff. And I, I do have a lot of respect for it. I wish I was more gifted in that manual labor and that more mechanical part of my life that my brain worked that way or I had the patience to really get under a truck and learn under the hood or under the uh, you know underneath the the body of it but I like it because duck hunting has given me the ability to not just go into a dealership and say I want to buy another truck I get to go in there and get to know you and get to know Paul and because of hunting we have that common denominator and we didn't we didn't sit down and go all right well we're going to run the numbers on this and we're going to check your credit on this Paul's like so where'd you hunt this year you see this deer I got? And then we sat there looking at pictures and stuff and hearing stories and him and Rocky were talking about the, the, the tags that were coming up in the, in the application process and the draw results and the landowner tags. And, and I was like, man, look at this, that quick. Just that quick, the ice was broke and hunting brought these different individuals together. And now all of a sudden, we're eating sushi together. We're eating at the Fifth Street Steakhouse in Chico together. We're duck hunting together. We're buddies. I'm around your family. You're around my family and my friends. And that's what hunting does to me. I've always had that analogy of all these different walks of life are brought together by one common denominator, the outdoors and hunting and people and experiences and, and duck camp America, turkey camp, deer camp, fishing camp. You can go golfing with somebody. And if you're good, you might not have a bad day. If you suck, you're probably going to be frustrated. But there's no way in hell that anybody will ever persuade me that there's a better place to get to know somebody than in hunting camp or get down in, on somebody's level in a duck blind or up against a tree or in the woods. It's, it's just the best. And that's why I think 
the success comes, the, the branding, the, the recognizable, you know, marks or logos and associations with different people or whatever it is, you guys are successful because you had that passion. You didn't chase the dollar. You had the love, the owner, the main owner of that place or the original owner is 78 years old. And he just started another dealership and he continues to work his ass off every day at 78. He could go freaking sit on any beach he wants in the that's, world, right? That, that's his hobby, work. It's his <laughs> hobby, is work. And, and then she, you got Paul too. That's Paul doesn't need to be in there every day. And you no, said it yourself. He likes He's it. in there every day, loves every it. Every day, loves it. That's what he likes doing. Yeah, and I and I don't have to be everywhere, every, you know, everywhere you see me, I probably don't need to be that overabundant about it, but I'd love it, man. I freaking love negotiation. I love talking. I love joking. I love camaraderie. I love partying. I love barbecuing. I love concerts. I love baseball games. I'm going to spring training next week. I'm going, I get to go to Salt Lake city right before spring training and launch three new grills with Traeger. I get to go hang out with Jordan Harbison and all of the guys at mountain ops and do some podcasting with them. You love the foul life. Don't yeah, you? Just, it's the foul life. And <laughs> it it's, is. it's, it, I think I really do. I think that it's, it's, it's so humbling when you say I would trade it for you. I'm going back to you. Yeah, you probably would because it's freaking awesome. But I'm not saying that I wouldn't want to be doing what you're doing or be where you and Paul are at because that's, that's pretty legit. That's, that's, that's stout to, to, to create what y'all have created. I say it a lot and uh, life is good. Life is good. You wear those shirts. I, I don't actually. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really don't either. Yeah. But I, I agree with the logo. Um, a lot of people have it a lot worse than, than I do. So um, happy to be uh, happy to be where I'm at, and uh, happy for my kids, and and uh, happy to go duck hunting. Um, you know, Are you I, happy when you see Paul every morning? I am happy when I see Paul. Are every you really? Morning. Come on, let's be honest about uh, yeah, that. You know, I I, I I enjoy working for the people I work for, and uh, you know, I enjoy. Uh, um, I enjoy seeing Paul. Yeah, absolutely. What kind of guy is he? Uh, Paul. Um, Paul played uh, sports in high school. Um, uh, was was a star athlete. Um, played some college ball for Sac State. I think for a couple years before he came back, and his sister got him a job at the car dealership while washing cars, and. Um, here he is, 30, God, what is it? Uh, he's got to be 45, yeah, 44. He's about 45, I think. So, uh, uh, but yeah, he's been here. This is his, uh, aside from farming, this is his only job he's ever had. So, Is he a terrible, terrible shot with a rifle? Uh, no, no. Paul, uh, <laughs> I, I, I have to say that uh, I don't know anybody who's a better shot than Paul with a rifle. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, I would say that... Is he uh, paying you to say this? No, no, he probably will never hear me say this, but uh, uh, Paul's a good shot. No, he's... He's uh, killed some big-ass deer. Uh, he has... Uh, he puts in some time and effort, and, um, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a good hunter. No, no, I'd, I'd have to give him kudos on that. Um, I don't know about duck hunting. I, I, I might out... We got to get him out. I, I might out-cheat him at the duck blind, but... Uh, you know, put us at a thousand yards, and I'd put my money on Paul. So, you would, yes. So you you got Ford Corporate in Michigan, Dearborn. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You have dealerships all over the country. You get to walk into this one little tiny dealership because they're all none of them are huge. They're all, you know, they all have their footprint. 
but where you live is very little. Even in the scope of things in that part of California, there's a lot of bigger cities around there. Sure. So if you think about it that way, that's what's like, man, like why wouldn't you go to a bigger Ford dealership to where you have access to more potential eyeballs, footsteps, customers coming in um, to give you the ability to sell more and you look, you break it down and you guys are selling like crazy. Like you, you're like the jerky boy said, you're silly. Like you guys are just silly when it comes to these sales. But what I can't get over is that it's a, it's a, one of the, it's talked about as being one of the largest dealerships in the country. As far as this car, the super duty trucks moved the volume wise in 6,000 people in the population of the city. That just doesn't, it just, it doesn't add up at all. It really doesn't. Like if you think about it from that <clears throat> standpoint, 6,000 people is nothing. That's how many people live within a, a mile radius of where we sit right now. There's 450 to 500,000 people in this city. And there's one Ford dealership in this city. Think sure. about that. There's a half a million to 6,000. 500,000, 6,000. That's 494, four, is my math right? 494,000 more people that the dealership down the road from me has the ability to sell to. That blows my mind. That's like, I don't think that adds up at all. There's got to be something in the Kool-Aid that's going on to where you guys are kicking ass like this. It's the people. With 6,000 people. It's the people that have been there for 20 plus years that, you know, um, it's the reputation of that place. It's, uh, it's got a great reputation and, and the, you know, I mean, Hey, uh, let's be real. Stocking 900, uh, vehicles is, is a big deal. I mean, you know, your local Ford dealership may only have 200, 250 vehicles in stock. You know, when when you take that short drive to Corning, I mean, it's, you know, it's a Disneyland for, for trucks. Um, and people want that. You know, it's a lot of money, like I said earlier. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of money to spend and people want some options. So, um, you know, it's not like going and buying a you know, a fusion where you walk in and you, you want a blue one or a red one. Do you want an SE or an SEL or a titanium? Maybe there's a couple options in a color. In a truck, it's a different deal. It's a tool. You know, you can't take a, a an, an eighth-inch drill and do a half-inch drill job. You, you need that half-inch drill, but you need to know that you need that half-inch drill. It's the same same goes uh, true for, for trucks. So, you know, that's what we're there for. And um, um, we... We do a pretty decent job at it. So I come in there and I say, man, I got to have it. I got, I got some money. Tax return came in. This is what I do. I have a 27-foot center console jet boat that I run on the Sacramento River for salmon. I chase turkeys. And I pull a 21-foot trailer, enclosed box trailer full of decoys for my speckle belly rig. And uh, the, other, the only other thing that I pull is my John boat, which is a 17-foot duck boat and trailer do you ask them what is your budget or do you say all right here's the truck that you need right here and you go straight to the half ton class because nothing i just named is worth a diesel or does your brain automatically go off being at corning ford that i got to sell him a super duty he's got to be in at least a three-quarter ton diesel because that's what we're the leader in or do you automatically know that he needs a half ton ecoboost f-150 none of those the first question i'd ask you is what are you doing? What to, what are you using now? And what do you like about it? And what do you not like about it? Because that's going to tell me. Um, that's going to tell me some stuff. So, um, you know, if you tow it with a 
uh, diesel now and, uh, and you love it, um, yeah, you may be able to get away with a half ton, but, uh, you know, you, you want to keep people happy with what they buy. So just because something has the ability to tow 13,000 pounds and your 27 foot boat only weighs eight, um, you tow it with a diesel, you really are leaning towards a diesel and you're happy with your diesel. I'm probably going to explain that you've got some options, but probably show you diesel. Um, so there's questions, I mean, you know, needs and wants. I mean, you know, people ask me, um, you know, how do you sell a car? Well, um, you really just, you listen to what people need and want, and then you show it to them. And it's it's pretty simple uh, in the scheme of things. But uh, a, lot of pla- a lot of places, uh, a lot of people don't realize when they walk into a dealership, they don't, nobody ever asks them what they need and want. They just... They just go start showing them vehicles, and it's pretty hard to determine people's needs and wants without asking them some basic questions. So, you know, what do you like about your old truck? What do you what are you looking for in your new truck? Where do you tow it? You know, where do you haul that trailer? You hauling it over the Rockies? You hauling it down? You know, I five. Um, so th- those kind of things come into play. How often do you do that? You know, do you do it once a week, or do you do it every day, or twice a year? Um, so you know, all those factors come into play to you know determine which you know there might be five or six different vehicles that might fit your needs and wants it's just a matter of finding the right one so you know good questions um and and good options do you do you ever get somebody that comes into the dealership that's well, i can't decide between this and the new chevy the new s10 or do you, i can't you know the new ram they got out there has got this do you do they compare the the amount of room in the back seat because they have a family i mean do you get that where people are coming and, and they're not necessarily hooked on ford yet or they're not necessarily a fan of any of them they just oh, want for the sure best? for sure uh people come in all the time uh comparing uh, a lot of people do most of the research online now uh which makes it a lot easier for us because uh, people really have a, a decent understanding of what's available and maybe some of their options before they come in, which makes our job a lot easier. Um, uh, that being said, um, what I tell people is, you know, features aside, you know, depending on what they were looking for, uh, get in the vehicle and drive it. You know, I mean, that, that's, the, that's the big factor. You know, does the seat feel comfortable? Can you see out of it? Is there blind spots? Uh, do you like the way it rides? Do you like the way it, it, it handles? I mean... Uh, every car is a little different, and uh, like I was saying earlier, uh, you know, Ford, Dodge, Chevy, everybody makes a decent vehicle, uh, and you may like things about one vehicle that you don't like about another. Um, uh, I would say a majority of people, after they drive the Ford, are pretty, pretty hard pressed not to uh, go that direction. But um, um, you know, uh, there's different different trucks out there for different folks, so um, we do our best to steer them in the right direction. You do more than do your best. You guys kick some ass. What, um, as far as what we got going on now, where do you see it going? Like, how do you feel about it? And when somebody comes up with, you know, I know you guys have had partnerships before, like we said, Aldine, and you've sold trucks to other celebrities, and you have other TV shows that you've worked with. You guys are clever and out of the box when it comes to marketing. You you take a different approach. You're invested. You're not afraid to take a risk once in a while. What you know, this relationship that we have, I said the word what, I was getting ready to say, like, what intrigued you with this? Is it something different? Is it the same old song and dance so far? Like, 
how do you, as the decision maker, to say, hey, yeah, we're going to invest and spend money because you guys are spending money to market with our properties. Was it something that clicked in your head or was it my my just uncanny ability to be funny? <laughs> was it my was it my <laughs> relentlessness? Was it, you know, like what 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 is it that makes you go, yeah, like this is different. This is something that I think that I jive with. I got a good feeling about this so one. So it's like investing in anything, you know, diversify is the golden rule, right? So um, we look at marketing the same way. Um, you know, we spend a lot of money marketing in different areas, uh, whether it be uh on a local level with 4-H and uh, FFA supporting, uh, you know, the auctions at the uh, county fairs, uh, which we're a huge supporter of and, and uh, believe in wholeheartedly. Um, really can't say that there's a better advertising dollar spent than supporting uh, the kids at the fair level through FFA and 4-H. You know, kids have, that spend time and effort and, and, and work hard and and uh, you know, get to the end of their project and, and go and sell their, their, their steer or their hog or their lamb uh, at the auction. And, 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 and we're a big supporter of that. So that's, 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 that's one avenue of our marketing. Um, you know, obviously, we do traditional marketing, uh, but we try to think outside the box a little bit. Uh, you, you know, obviously, uh, we're all hunters. At, at, uh, I would say the majority of the people at uh, Corning Ford are, are hunters. Um, you know, we live in Northern California, so, you know, uh, you know, four trucks and duck hunting. I mean, uh, you know, that's like, um, you know, whiskey and Coke. I mean, shoot, <laughs> they just go together. So, um, you know, I, I think it's a good fit. Do you think that there's different levels that you can concentrate on where you, you see like different areas where your marketing dollar is going to go? Where is it now for the for autos? Where is the best bang for your buck? Is it a national TV commercial on the Super Bowl? Is it Facebook ads? Is it print ads in the in the local paper or the magazine? Is it deals on wheels? Where where is the best bang for that? And I know what you just said about the 4-H, and I totally agree with that. But where's the the most traditional way for an, uh, a dealership to get a return on their investment as far as marketing and advertising goes? Their customer base. So, Word of mouth. You know, I, 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 a happy customer is really the best dollar we could spend our money on. Um, um, you know, and, and, and obviously, you know, we don't sell the amount of cars we do uh, uh, selling to unhappy customers. I mean, word of mouth is how we, we have been successful for so many years. Um, but uh, more direct answer, uh, if I had the actual answer to that, I think I'd probably be have some kind of marketing job somewhere and not be working at a car dealership. But uh, um, it's hard to say. Uh, there's a lot of different uh, options out there. We spend a lot of money uh, with traditional uh, TV and radio. Um, and I think you really just have to spread it out. Uh, you know, Facebook obviously is, um, for, for, uh, dollar for dollar, is probably uh, uh, one of the best advertising dollars we can spend. Um, reaches the most amount of people, targeted audiences and whatnot. Um, but again, we try to diversify and just, you know, touch on a little bit here and there. Um, a lot of radio, TV, a little bit of print, a lot less print in the last five or 10 years, um, than we did before. I mean, that was, you know, that was half our budget 10 years ago. Now it's, uh, 2%. So, um, you know, that's a, it's a, it's a big swing, but, um. 
Yeah. So when you say you got to invest in the customer, you got to make sure that your employees are taken care of, training, um, happy, because they're the ones that are really your your final your final uh, level to the customer, right? You can't put a guy out there selling a car that's going to take a chance of turning a customer off. Even if they don't buy the car, you still want them to have a nice experience. So really you're investing in the customer through your employees and you have a, uh, you don't have a big turning door of employees that come through Corning Ford. A lot of guys have had a good tenure there. So several over 20 years, you say, so is there a lot of training that goes on within a dealership? Is Ford constantly coming up with different initiatives to keep you guys at the cutting edge? Like when you described all the, the, the add-ons and, and everything on the new truck to me today, you're just like, blah, 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 blah. You sound like a, a robot. You know, it's like we're <laughs> in, sitting in the Night Rider and you're David Hasselhoff. Trying, and, trying to keep that delivery under three hours. You know? <laughs> like, uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff on those uh, new rigs. I mean, you know, hooking your new truck up to Wi-Fi. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's different. Um, so to answer your question, yes, there's constant training. There's monthly training. There's, there's a lot of uh, um, from product to procedure training uh, that um, Ford, uh, Ford sends us and that we participate in. Uh, we do you know, actual in-house training. Uh, we just got trained on a new uh, Ford Pass app that's going to be a big deal. Uh, you download it on your phone. You're able to start your truck from anywhere in the world with, as long as you have cell service, uh, lock your vehicle, It'll tell you how many miles to empty you have on it, uh, the tire pressure, you know, just um, if there's a recall, you can schedule appointments, uh, all kinds of different things from that app. Uh, so Ford came out and trained us on that here in the last month. Um, but um, and that's called Ford Pass. Ford Pass. And I could be in Hawaii and want to unlock my truck for my brother to get in there and get something without giving him my door code, which doesn't really matter. But I can unlock my door. I can hit and hold or hold and press that button down on my unlock on that Ford Pass app. And my truck, 3,000 miles away, will unlock. Yep. Yeah, in fact, uh, I was just in Hawaii and uh, my contractor called me and said, hey, your truck just started. <laughs> it was, uh, I have my truck scheduled to start every morning at 7.30 uh, 7.35, I leave between 7.35 and 7.40 in the morning. And so I like my truck to start up and run for a minute or two before I hop in it. And uh, I don't always remember to, to, you know, hit the start button on my remote. So I have it scheduled on my Ford Pass to start every weekday at 7.35. And he called me, <laughs> freaked him out. <laughs> and so I was able to shut it off and uh, turn off the app from, from Hawaii. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, cars. Cars have become pretty high tech. They're night riders. You know? so they're night riders. It's uh, it's they're pretty awesome. Pretty soon, you're gonna have to have one with an ejector seat in it. <laughs> you don't like your company. <laughs> I'm sure if, if, See if, if one comes, we'll uh, we'll probably have it. It won't be cheap though. <laughs> Man, I appreciate it. This is awesome. It's like one of those things to where it happened fast. It happened for a reason, and I think it's it's got legs. It's 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 exciting to me because. I, I just love the brand. It's iconic. And Ford is, it means a lot to me, even though I'm not vested in it. I just feel safe in them. I feel confident in them. And you got to feel good. You got to look good. You got to get there safe. Your family's got to be safe. And Ford always has had a lot of significance with me when it comes to all of that. And plus, I think the potential of this friendship and partnership and relationship is strong. And I think that that's what we're in it for. It's not like we're going to get rich knowing each other. Maybe we do come across an investment someday because doors open by taking the time to sit down and talk like this and get to know somebody on a different level. But on, you know, just face value, the partnership has a lot of potential. 
and I'm excited where Ford's going as a brand, you know, sitting at that dealership yesterday and learning about the Bronco and, and, and what they're doing with all of these, you know, the, the, the different models that are coming out and the innovation that's coming. There's a lot of things to look forward to for you to sell, for you to create revenue streams, for you to have for your customer base. I mean, they continue to raise the bar. From their tailgates to their headlights, I mean, the, and everything in between, Ford Motor Company continues to raise the bar on their trucks, their SUVs. They're getting out of most of the car world, but I just, it's, it's amazing to sit in that truck, start it up, drive it from five miles an hour to 80 miles an hour and feel the, com- you know, the comfort level in it and the security and safety. And it's, it's a badass freaking brand. Amen. Couldn't have said it any better yourself. That's right. <laughs> Yo, Henry Ford, man. Throw down a little. How about some stock? Huh? Two shares, Henry. And two shares. Two shares, Henry. I'm going to make a shirt that says two shares, Henry. Everybody, don't forget what I said at the beginning of this. World Whitetail Championships. North American Whitetail Championships, I should say. Wicked Outfitters, Kansas. Bone Collector, Michael Waddell and the crew over there. It's going to be awesome. Go to their website and get signed up $300 it's a no-brainer for a chance to qualify at your chance to win 50,000 test your archery skills what kind of deer hunter are you go out there create your shooting lanes get your stands up get your camera set up get your food plots ready raise that big old white tail munching on clover and then shoot him and win this competition what's that I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here and he's making faces. I think he's trying to do to me what Paul was trying to do. <laughs> so what? go in there, get it signed up, and, and become part of this competition. It's, it's, it's something that I look at and I'm like, ah, you know, how, why do you got to put competition on hunting? And it's not about that. It's, we are always trying to better ourselves at hunters. And this has given us the ability to really test our skills and let that two-year-old walk and wait for that five-year-old. Let that 140 walk and wait for that 170. Um, you know, we're not, the trophy is in the eye of the beholder, but this competition is real. It's legit. I think it's good for deer hunting. And I think Clint and Steve and Michael and the guys that are putting it on and supporting it have the right idea, the right mentality, the right approach. And I think that it's going to be a success. So the North American Whitetail Championships, get signed up, find them on Facebook, find them on Instagram, nawtc.com, bonecollector.com, $300, no brainer for a chance to win $50,000 cash money. Show me the money, Jerry. And I'm going to let Francis in this before my boy Tom Rashashin, otherwise known as Tam Rashachuk, plays that Leith Lofton song, The Ballad of the Foul Life, The Ballad of this podcast, This Life Ain't For Everybody. What you going to do when the money's all gone? Francis Hopping, Corning Ford, thank you guys so much. Paul and your family, thank you all for the dedication, the loyalty to us and the risk you're taking with the partnership. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. Thank you for the new 2019 Ford F-250 three-quarter ton Super Duty Power Stroke 6.7 liter diesel Night Rider kit talking back <laughs> at you. Badass ride that keeps us safe on the road while we chase mallard ducks, Canada geese across America's back road. So Francis, you take it from here. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you, Chad. Appreciate it. you having us. And look forward to uh, working with you in the future. It's going to be fun, huh? I, I, I anticipate it will be. Yeah. Guys, check them out at Coring Ford. I don't care where you live in this country. You got to come check out this dealership, this little small town right in the middle of the Walnuts, right in the middle of what I call almonds, but they call almonds because they're weirdos in California. Yeah, I'm talking to you, Rock Merlot 
almonds. It's almonds. We we knocked the L out of them. (laughs) Knocked the L out of them. It's almonds, okay? Almonds. (laughs) But anyway, guys, Corning Ford, they're a great new partner of the foul life, and this life ain't for everybody. I'm Chad Belding. I'm excited. Tom, again, please play. Leith Lofton, a.k.a. Haas. What you going to do when the money's all gone? Written by Leith Lofton and Mr. Drake White. Y'all have a great day. Thank you all very much for the support of this podcast. Say life owners won't last that long. What you going to do when the money's all gone?